the scene from Sears Radio Theater, which will be brought to you Monday through Friday on this station. Today, Cicely Tyson will enthrall you with a tale of love and hate, a drama involving human emotion. Tomorrow, Richard Widmark will host tales of adventure in outer space, under the sea, anywhere there is adventure. Monday, you'll hear stories of the Golden West, and the West we know today with Lauren Green as your host. Tuesday, you can laugh with Andy Griffith as your host for things that are funny. And on Wednesday, Vincent Price will bring you a generous helping of mystery, suspense, and detective stories. The Seals Radio Theater will begin after this message from your local station. This is Cicely Tyson. It's a winter afternoon on a residential street in one of those little commuter towns on the Long Island Railroad. In the front window of a corner house, a man sits alone, unmoving, staring out at something. It is a railroad station nearly two blocks away. Inside the house, we can see that the man at the window is sitting in a wheelchair. There's a much used drawing board on his lap with a blank sheet of paper on it. The tools of an artist all around him in the room, which is a sort of studio. We can also see that the man is not alone. There's a young dog with him, a black and tan dachshund, looking at his right hand, which swings limply at the side of the wheelchair. The man is crying. You can see the tears running down his face. What happened to me at the station that day? Oh, I can't walk anymore. I can't use my right arm. I can't draw anymore. I can't do anything. Why did this happen to me? Why is that damn little dog licking my hand like that? Why? <laughs> and that's how we begin our story. Here's Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Brought to you five nights a week by Sears Roebuck and Company. Sears, where America shops. Your host, Lorne Green. I'll bring you stories of the Old West and the New. Andy Griffith with a look at the funny side of life. Vincent Price with tales of mystery and suspense. Cicely Tyson with stories about love, hate, and related things. Richard Whitmark. I'll bring you stories of pure adventure. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week. Brought to you in Elliot Lewis production of... Sears Radio Theater. Our story, Hildy, by Ted Sherdeman. Our star, Fletcher Markle. The man in the wheelchair slowly, painfully, makes himself remember himself back to a happier time, a healthy and productive time. It began in the late summer at our Long Island house, where I lived with my wife, Joan, and our 12-year-old red dachshund, Sam. I was a commercial artist who worked at home and spent most of my time, when I wasn't with clients or ad agency people, 
in my studio, which was my pride and joy. Close at hand, napping as usual, was Sam. I just finished pasting up some type sheets on an ad when the phone rang. You get that, Joni? Okay. Uh-oh. Another thing needs some thinner. This one little problem, we seem to be out of thinner. It's Barry Mills from Los Angeles, Eddie. Pick up the phone in your studio. Hello. Hi, Eddie. How are you? Fine, Barry. How are you? And what are you doing calling me all the way across the country? Lydia and I are going to England. Hey, how about that? Did you hear that, honey? Hear what? She's right beside me now, Barry. They're going to England. Oh. What happened? Smog get too bad for you? <laughs> My agent sold me to an English producer and... We'll be gone the better part of a year, I guess. Hey, that's wonderful. In London? Yeah, part of the time. Uh, what I was wondering, do you still like Dachshunds? Dachshunds? Sure. Wouldn't have any other breed of dog. Well, Liddy and I feel the same way, but Hildy is the problem. Well, who's Hildy? I Dachshund. Oh. She's only three and she'd die in a kennel here. And there's an English law about bringing dogs into their country. They're kept in quarantine for six months. That's why I thought of you and your love, or your and Joni's love for Dachshunds. Well, sure, you but... you take Hildy? All we want is somebody to love her, and we won't ask to have her back when we get home. Will you do it, Eddie? Well, I, I don't know, Barry. We've got Sam. Now, please, but... Eddie, Lydia and I would love to go to England, but we won't go if we can't find a decent home for Hildy. Will you take her? Just a minute, Barry. Did you hear that? What do you think? Well, we've been talking about getting a spare around when uh, Sam dies. Uh, Barry, you won't ask for her back. No, honest, we won't. Is it a deal? Well, I, I guess so. <laughs> I'm not coming out there to get her. No, no, no. We'll put her on a plane. She'll be there tomorrow. Lydia and I are flying direct from here to London. How about shots and stuff? Has the dog had a rabies shot? Everything that works and up to date. I'll send everything in the mail to you. Hildy will be there tomorrow. Okay, Barry, we'll pick her up. Thanks, Eddie. You've taken a load off our minds. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Well, guess we've got another dog, whether we want one or not. Well, Sam will hate it. He'll get used to her. He'll have no choice, will you, Sam? Come on, Joni. Up, Hildy. I guess you'll eat whatever Sam eats, huh? Sure. Uh, here you are, driver. Thanks, Mac. Come on, Hildy. This is your new home. <laughs> Making a club to help you in the dog fight. With a rolled-up newspaper? Mm, better be prepared. <laughs> Look out. There's Sam. Hmm? They only sniffed noses, and there goes Hildy inside. Sam, be patient with Hildy. She only wants to explore her new home. The dog expects to find her old owner somewhere. <laughs> Look at Sam. He's curled up and gone back to sleep. Couldn't care less about Hildy being here. Where's she? Like you said, looking for her old owner. Hey, Hildy's registered in the American Kennel Club as Brunhilda of Westwood. Mm -hmm. Go fetch the ball, Hildy. That's a good girl. And give it to me. Now sit up and I'll throw it again. Good girl. Well, she's had all her shots. Says here, not due for another rabies shot for nearly two years. And I'm not throwing the ball for you, whether you sit up or not. 
At least he doesn't sit up and beg while we're at the table like Sam used to. <laughs> Good old Sam. Look at him. Sound asleep. Hmm. I'm looking at her. Curled up beside him to keep him warm. I hope he makes it to Christmas. He'll be 13 then. Hmm. I hope it's not an unlucky number for him. White Christmas for sure. Daddy? I'm in the living room. Come here. I was just showing Hildy the new snow. What's the pro... Sam. Huh. Sam? I, I think he's dead. Sam? I came back to the bedroom to find out why he hadn't shown up in the kitchen for his breakfast. He always did before. And... Oh. oh, Daddy, we knew he was old and that it had to happen. Uh, he didn't make it <clears throat> to Christmas. Sam's death taught us one thing, that you can't prepare for such an event. It doesn't matter whether it's all of a sudden or long in coming. There's no way to keep from remembering all the things you could have done, maybe should have done, but didn't. But like all things, dismal as they may be, a little time worked its wonder. And I got back to work at my drawing board. Joni was a perfect housewife, and Hildy was a perfect pet. You have to deliver that artwork in person? I always have. But it snowed so heavily last night. I don't know whether you can even get through to the station. Well, I've waded through snowdrifts before. Right, Hildy? It's still snowing, see? Don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. I worry about you. Bundle up carefully. Am I okay? Can I go now? Be careful. Always am. Bye. Bye, Hildy. What's your hurry, mister? My train. That's my train. Wait for me. Wait a minute. Oh, God. 
He uh, did quite a job on his head, Mrs. Gaskin. Go on. But he's alive and will recover eventually. What do you mean, eventually? Just that. When can I see him? In about a week. A week? Mrs. Gaskin, I'm not sure. That's why I've asked some other neurologists to see him. But I'd be less than honest if I didn't tell you that your husband may be paralyzed on his right side and unable to speak. Oh. Oh. Why did this have to happen to Eddie? Oh. I want to see him. You can't see him for quite a while. So I suggest you go on home. How long will he have to stay here? In the hospital? It's anybody's guess, but figure several months. What do you mean by several? It's up to the neurologists and staff. Uh, uh, will he need more operations? Possibly. Uh, Look at it this way, Mrs. Gaskin. Your husband could have been killed. He's still alive. Uh, well, will he want to be if he's paralyzed and unable to speak? That's up to him. And you. about his paralysis, but a neurologist was abrasively sure Eddie would overcome the aphasia and get some sort of voice back. I spent hours waiting for some sign of recognition. Every day I visited him at the hospital, going home only to feed Hildy and then spending sleepless nights with her worrying about Eddie. It was six weeks before he smiled at me. Smiling at me. I'm your Joni. Uh, <laughs> Hildy misses you. I miss you. And pretty soon you'll be at home in your own studio again. Oh, don't stop smiling. Please don't stop. <laughs> Oh, good. 
eager to look at me who is. It's temporary, Eddie. You've already got your voice back. In no time, it'll be as good as new. The speech therapist at the hospital was sure of it. I don't make drawings with my voice. Table. Come on, Yogi. 
I seem to get some kind of perverse satisfaction out of refusing to kiss Johnny goodbye and ordering her and Hildy to get out. Finally came the day I contemplated suicide. Deliberately broke a water glass after I'd considered just where to slash my right wrist with the razor-edged shard. Obviously, one could die from one cut wrist as well as two. It was just too barbaric to cut my throat and sever the jugular vein. Then I remembered my life insurance wouldn't pay off for suicide. Joni would be left with no money. The additional expenses is burying me in a bloody mess in the bedroom. The real reason for not taking my life was that I didn't have the courage or lack of it to do it. All I got out of it was a long crying spell. You shouldn't lie in bed all the time, Mr. Gaston. Or where you suggest, Doc. I sometimes do a bucket wing. Eddie. Your wife has rented a wheelchair for you. And I'm applying the rental on the payments to buy it. Good. So use the chair. Want some help getting into it? No. Not from you, Joan, either. I'll see you out, Doctor. Right. I recommend you at least try to use that chariot there, Mr. Gaskin. Whether it was the doctor's advice or seeing that investment just standing there, I decided to try the wheelchair. But I refused to let Joan help me into it and waited until she left for work the next morning to try out the chariot, as the doctor had called it. I managed to get out of bed, hop once on my left leg, and fall. Oh, leave me alone. Stop licking me. Just get out. Get out of the room. had a few falls, but by hopping on my left leg from one place to another, I finally reached the chair. I wheeled myself into the living room. I didn't dare wheel myself into the studio where I'd worked. It was too painful to even think of all the art activities I could no longer take part in. But I finally did. I wheeled myself into the studio where I spent so many years. I finally picked up a piece of charcoal with my left hand and using the paper tape of the drawing board tried to sketch the tree I could see from the window. My efforts were so crude I had no heart to continue. All I'd read about the great Mexican artist, Jose Orozco, losing his drawing arm and gaining fame only after he'd learned to paint with his left arm all that depressed me instead of inspiring me. I concluded his triumph over catastrophe was due to copious quantities of tequila. Vicious reasoning, of course. We couldn't even afford a pint of the stuff. A six-pack of leader-priced beer would be cause for a celebration. And then I became aware of Hildy sitting up, holding her ball in her mouth. You are... You are to chase the ball? 
That's the only thing left I can do for you. Get it, get it, get it. Lots of right hands, Billy. Look, this one. Will you stop pushing it into the dead hand? It's here. I'll, I'll show you. I'll drag this useless arm out of my lap where you can't get to it. Now, give me that ball in my good hand. That's fine. Good girl. Now. Oh, don't, don't just lie there. Go fetch the ball. Never, never made any difference to you which hand threw it or, or you know whether it was kicked. Okay. You won't chase it. I'm going back to bed. Okay, I'll put the wheelchair beside your bed so you can get into it. Don't bother. But, Eddie, the doctor said... I heard him. I wonder why I take this abuse. Abuse? From paralyzed husband? You're determined to remain surly and unhappy. You're a spoiled brat wallowing in self-pity. I can't talk about anything that doesn't anger or depress you. You cost us our best friend, George Blaschine. I'm sorry about the accident and that you can't draw anymore. But you have your life. What, what good is it? It's as good or bad as you want it to be. Sylvia and I are fed up with you, Eddie. Either you change your attitude and realize that you have our love, or you can rot right where you are. for breakfast. Hi, Hildy. Uh, uh, oh, I would have been glad to bring it to you in your room. I, I know you would have. I, I've been thinking about our talk last night. I'm sorry, Eddie. Look, don't be. I have been acting like a spoiled brat. Forgive me. Oh, yes. Forgive me for saying what I did. Oh, you were right. Oh, oh, Eddie, I I know it hasn't been easy for you. Well, it wasn't. There has been. But there's no reason to take out my frustrations on, on you or Hildy. I... A, a confession. Mm. I tried out this 
we moved Jerry yesterday. How did you manage to even get into it? Oh, it took us some doing. Uh, I'll put it next to the bed for you next time so you, it'll be real easy. Well, the point is I, I finally went into the studio. I, I, I can't draw with my left hand, but at least I'll try. Oh, Eddie, I can't ask for anything more. And after you leave for work, I'm going to phone George Glashing and apologize. Uh. trying to draw with my left hand, but my efforts were like a child, far from the commercial gloss in which I'd made my way. While I sat in the wheelchair and drew, Hildy would push my paralyzed hand and arm back, pressing the ball into my dead fingers until she released it, and the ball would drop to the floor. She picked it up and repeated the performance over and over and over not stopping until I dragged the useless arm onto my lap and held out my left hand to her. Well, throw the ball for you if you put it in my good hand. This one. Right here, Hildy. Okay. I'll let this dead wing hang down again. You see? You push it back, Hildy, but but she can't give life where there's none to give. Nobody can. It was so crowded. People were buying like eating. It had just been discovered. Hmm. I got us a steak. <laughs> yes, Hildy, you'll get some real meat tonight. She will, won't taste the ball anymore. Well, what's the matter with you, Hildy? <laughs> Here, now, touch it. You screw it with your left hand, too. A woman's touch. Oh. Here, Hildy, put it in my left hand. Percy, oh, she won't do it. Well, give it to me, Hildy. Good girl. <laughs> like I said, a woman's tough. Come on, Hildy, let's fix dinner. If this steak is tough, I am going to kill the butcher. I was sitting by the front window watching the icicles melt and thinking spring might be trying to appear. Hildy was playing her repetitious game with my right hand. I looked at her. Her tail was wagging furiously. Then with her nose, she nudged the right arm as far back as she could. Then she jumped aside. The arm swung forward, and I still held onto the ball. I could feel I was holding something in my hand. I tried to move the arm back, but felt nothing. Hildy nudged it back for me, then jumped aside. When it swung forward, I let loose of the ball 
and knew my fingers were beginning to work. Oh, Hildy. Hildy, come, come up here. Hildy, come up on my lap so I can hug you. Here, Hildy, here's your bowl, and the water's right there. Well, why are you frowning? Did I do something wrong? You don't like barbecued chicken? Not not that. Well, it's what? Well, why do you always put the spoon and fork on the left side of my plate? Can't you ever remember I'm right-handed? There's no knife to cut up the chicken with. Well, it's already cut up for you, and... Oh. I carefully raised my right arm, picked up the fork in my right hand, awkwardly picked up some food, and spilled most of it as I tried to bring it to my mouth. Eddie! <laughs> now, now I'll have to learn to use this hand to feed myself all over again. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Not, not my doing. All the credit belongs to Hildy. Thank you again, Hildy. Hello, hello. Oh, how did she get How did you? Oh, Eddie, I'm so happy. She did it. The instinct, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, but something kept urging her to Keep at this right hand with that ball. It wasn't just a game. She, she just seemed to know that if she did it long enough, I'd get this arm and hand back. <laughs> and you know what else? I only know I'm so grateful. I'm going to call George Glassine tomorrow and start to go to the Y with him. Uh-huh. Well, maybe my bad leg won't ever be as good as it was, but swimming can't hurt, and I'll feel like a whole man again. Hildy's muzzle is white with age now. She sleeps a lot. And Joni and I know there'll come a day when she won't be here to ever chase the ball again. But we're not getting a fair soften the blow after she's gone. Wouldn't be fair to the new dog. We'd always be making comparisons the poor creature couldn't live up to. There's just no way to replace somebody who gave you back your life. nights a week by Sears Roebuck and Company. Sears, where America shops.
Beauty was written by Ted Sherdeman, produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. Your hostess was Cicely Tyson. Our star was Fletcher Martin. Also heard were Gene Howell, Lance Colvig, Barney Phillips, Lou Krugman, Herb Rudley, and Linda Gary. The music for Sears Radio Theater was composed and conducted by Nelson Riddle. Mark Gilmore speaking. The Elliott Lewis production of Sears Radio Theater is a presentation of CDI.